I'm Joshua Potts, Mr. Pottsable, always with a brother with the same mother, Aaron Potts, Super Hot Potts, and you're watching and listening to your favorite two black runners every single two black two. Before we get into the podcast, I have a quick word with y'all. We are going to be in New York City for the New York City Marathon. So you live in New York, and if you just want to just check out what we going on, pay attention to our Instagram, Two Black Runners, pay attention to Runner Report, pay attention to all of that, because more details on that will be coming very soon on what exactly we're doing in New York City. But for the meantime, bro, hit us with a DM. I think on Spotify, you can do conversations now, or even if you want to leave a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what should we do in New York while we out there, because we're going to be out there for a good minute for the New York City Marathon. So what should we do out there? Let us know. The really excited to go to new york city for the new york city marathon but we're also equally excited for you guys to listen or if you're watching on youtube to this podcast right here this one you're really going to be inspired be ready to check take out your checkbook take out your wallet take out your debit card for this running against the odds book because you're going to want to buy it after you listen to this believe me it's a great podcast a great listen and thank you guys for all the support that you guys been giving us for these past couple weeks we really do appreciate it and we're just going to keep on giving you guys stuff like this because we love what we're doing and thank you for all the opportunities that y'all have really provided for us just riding with us every single day every single two black tuesday all right i'm talking too much right now let's get into the podcast bro it's gonna be a good one it's gonna be a good one Woo! that, that was a good one that was a hey. good one that was a good hey. one for real though we back on it we back on it bro props to you hey, props I, to you I, you making it better hey you guys got me hype i love it i love it <laughs> But yeah, let's jump into it, bro. We got a great interview, a great guest here today. It's honestly, it's a pleasure to be on this podcast. He has a new book coming out, Running Against All Odds as well. This man was a, a, a prestigious coach, a prestigious coach at all levels. 68 team state championships on the high school level, Crazy. 17 national high school championships as well on a high school level, 100 plus high school All-Americans in track and cross country as well. This dude does it on both sides, does it on both sides. He still holds, his team still holds the 4x800 record at pin relays, a time of 843. That's 210 a girl, Aaron. That's crazy. A, that's, that's, that's I've never crazy. seen that before. I've never seen something like that it's a pleasure to have him on coach des desmond dunham on the podcast bro. just first off bro thank you for coming on the podcast uh and well, just what's up i don't know what to say what's hey, up, what's hey, up? You know, th thanks for having me I, I love what you guys are doing i love it i love that you're tag teaming as brothers um and just adding more you know just you know spark to the to the track and field world and, and i just love how you're doing it how you're presenting it and you're just having a lot of fun with it and that's how we should be uh in this sport we, we got to make it fun i appreciate well, being here thank you for having me fellas yeah well, and we had to come and know you know we got to put a little bit of seasoning on, on the podcast game but <laughs> at the same time like we appreciate you like um before you reached out to us we hadn't heard of you but you deserve your flowers. Joshua just went through all the stats and all the crazy things that you have done as a coach. And I think you, I think that you're the first coach we've had on and for it yeah. to be a black distance coach too. Oh, I think that's cool. Right? Like I, I wouldn't expect that. Like I didn't, I haven't had many black distance coaches in my lifetime. I didn't, I didn't really have a black coach. Wow. This um, for distance after I graduated, um, no, after middle school, after I came out of club, I didn't wow. have, have a black coach like that. So to see all those amazing things you've done. And then like Joshua was saying, we have like our brother, older brother. He's trying to become a head coach. One of my old roommates, he was he was just a head coach at UC Santa Barbara. So you don't see him every day, but they out there and they doing work and they hold records. They hold records. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny you, you, you're saying this and now, you know, you just made me flashback to when I first started coaching, I was in my early twenties and, and I'm looking everywhere for coaching clinics. I mean, you can find them in anywhere now, but you know, back when I first started, 
couldn't really find coaching clinics, especially um, in DC. And, and I remember finding this advanced endurance coaching uh, seminar. And first of all, I wasn't qualified. I didn't have the credentials to go in. And I'll never forget sitting in, well, walking up into the registration and I realized, oh man, this is, this is a different game right here. I was the only one of us in the room. Um, of course, you know, I, I got some pats on the back. I got some love and then I got some, some stares, you know, unfortunately. And, and so, um, you know, that, that was my welcome into the, the national level, you know, training and coaching and, and, and seminar sessions um, was that it was a, it was a mixed bag of emotions. And, you know, from that time on, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I got to represent, I got to represent, mm -hmm. I, I got, I got, I got to just beat on my craft every day, you know, day in and day out. I got to find out what everyone else is reading. And then I got to go do some more homework on my own. And, and, you know, here, here I am 25 years later, still in the game, still having fun, still trying to break some records. Man, mad respect. That's mad respect. And I really just feel that too. Cause like we've said on the podcast a million times, but we grew up in club track and our dad was our coach for all those years. And he was coaching Aaron in the 3000. He was coaching me in the 800. Like none of us were really just coming. We weren't coming out the gate, like run the one, the two, trying to be the same vault. We did as a sub Bantam, but like once we got to like, a, as a Bantam boy, 10, eight, 10 years old, it was like, oh dang, we're, we knew we we're going to move up in distance and then doing cross country besides David. He's, he threw the shot put in disc. He's the black sheep of the family, but you know, <laughs> but that's besides the point. But I want kind of, before we dive deeper, I kind of want to have a discussion since we, me and Aaron, we're kind of going on like similar paths and we know people uh, that are going on similar paths that, that want to be like you, like have those uh, crazy accomplishments. Like I'm coaching with my dad a little bit right now. Uh, at this school that he just started coaching at, at, at Norco High School in cross country and track. And so I'm helping out there. So we kind of just want to get some advice from you and kind of just pick your brain a little bit during the podcast. But before we get there, I think it's always good to rewind back a little bit. And I'm kind of just curious of like, when was one of your like earliest sports memories where you kind of just start falling in love with just the idea of like sports, not particularly running, but it could be running, yeah, but just, yeah, yeah. just sports in general? Well, you know, I mean, Growing up, uh, I knew I was the next Michael Jordan growing up. So <laughs> unfortunately, the coaches of the teams I tried out for didn't think so. So I, I was cut from the elementary basketball team. I was cut from my middle school basketball team. And get this, I had to run cross country to go out for um, basketball. And I ended up getting cut from cross country. <laughs> so, wow. um, I mean, it was like 80 of us out there running and the coach really didn't, he didn't really want to do the work. You know, I mean, the more kids you have, the harder you got to work, the more you got to plan. Um, I run a no cut program and, and, you know, it makes my job a little bit more stressful, but it makes it that much more rewarding. And, but you know, yeah, this coach, he, he didn't want to, um, do the work and he took like 20 guys and and I had a bad day and then the next day I decided to eat a foot long hot dog and and uh, I'm talking about this tryout and, and running against the odds and so um, but I probably my most fond memory goes uh, back to Little League Baseball um, I was uh, I was pretty good at baseball it was I, I remember walking over the train tracks with my buddies and and um, and and I think it's, a, it's a, another story behind why I loved it so much and because that was the most accessible uh, sport that I had that I could actually walk to um, mm -hmm. because unfortunately, you know, my dad wasn't in the picture um, and I talk a lot about that even in my memoir where, um, you know, he was um, alcoholic and, and he ended up, um, uh, he served in the Vietnam War came back with PTSD and that led to some other things. So this was the one sport that I could actually walk out of my door, hook up with my, my buddies. We could walk to practice together. We could walk back and and um, and so it was a nice little, it was just a great community feel. Um, and I think you guys know know this. You love working hard with your with your with your team and your family and your brothers. And when you start to develop that, you know, you forget about how, how hard you're working sometimes. Um, just because of that camaraderie. And so that's what that baseball did for me. And, and 
I'm, I'm forever thankful with all those guys that I played with Little League Baseball with. Yeah, it's always good, you know, to have that that outlet as a child you know, and just to have that place where you can connect and make friends. I wanted to hear more so, too, Gary, Indiana. Shout out Michael Jackson. I know Michael, that's Michael Jackson, bro. <laughs> You know, oh, that's yeah. why when you said you were going to be the next MJ, I was like, yeah, you know, Michael Jackson, Michael Jordan, they all, you know, Gary, Indiana. That's that's funny. But what was it like growing up there? I remember I seen that one. Uh, remember the, the Jackson 5 movie? And it, it that was, was always on BET, bro. We used to always watch that. And they laying out the when uh, Joe's making them lay out the bricks. It's snowing. How did yeah. that how did, you know, living yeah. there shape you? How that make you how that make you like tough? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean. You know, uh, Gary is a tale, tale of two cities for me. Um, you know, Gary, uh, unfortunately, when I was growing up, it was the homicide capital of the U.S. Um, wow. You know, we had the great migration uh, that where we had the steel industry. So in the 50s and 60s, you know, all of our folks moved from the South to grab a lot of those, you know, industrial jobs. And then once it started to decline, unfortunately, we didn't get the stimulus package. We didn't get the financial assistance. Um, they started rezoning the city, closing it in a little closer and tighter. And unfortunately, that really left Gary um, just in a position where it was survival of the fittest. And educational system went down, unemployment went up, crime went up, drugs use went up. I mean, it was it was some things that unfortunately you know, learning later on that there just could have been a lot more done by on a state as well as federal level. But with it being a 98% black city, unfortunately, we were, were not valued enough that that we, we, we were saved, you know. So um, fast forward, it definitely joining and going out for cross country my freshman year, that, that changed the entire trajectory of my life. Uh, because before then, I would say that I was, school was okay for me. Um, you know, at a at an early age, I was dealing with a speech impediment. So I wasn't the cool kid getting, you know, pulled out of class um, uh, by getting pulled out of class. I, I also have dyslexia. Um, so, you know, that wasn't cool, and especially when it wasn't identified. And then I'm dealing with all the crap at home with my dad and 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 his you know um alcoholism and so it was my freshman year in high school when i went out for cross country only because i was going to i was going to make that high school basketball team in spite of being cut freshman and sophomore year freshman in uh, um elementary and middle school but um my high school coach ended up becoming a father figure for me he taught me just, I mean, just so much about life through running. And that's something I try to do as a coach. I always say that my success is determined five to 10 years after an athlete leaves me. It's not the championships. It's not what they do in, in high school or whatever level I'm coaching them on. It's, it's did I plant some seeds in this kid through our sport? Did I help them to become a better person? develop more grit, more determination. Um, but, you know, and that's what my high school coach did for me. And we were an all black distance program. And this is where, you know, th this DNA comes from. I was so fortunate where little old Gary, we got a school of 800 runners split with gender. So roughly about 300, 400 boys. And here it is. The guy who runs, a, he's a year ahead of me. He's the first African-American to win a 5K state championship in 1988. And he, he was a sub 15 minute 5K runner. So, I mean, when I say we were getting an in um, and we had this chip on our shoulders because, I mean, we realized when we traveled to some of the suburban schools that it didn't look like we didn't have those opportunities. And that put a little chip on our shoulder. So this guy goes off, he wins the state championship. I mean, it, it, we were celebrating. And then we get to the track season and this guy has 47, 48 type leg speed. He decides to run in the outside of lane one to give his, 
his teammate the inside lane so that they can kind of he can kind of ward off the the, the competitors. Every time someone tried to pass him, he would shift gears and 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 he would fight them off. And and then this teammate of ours, he's sitting right on the rail. This guy, he's a little old sophomore. So at the last hundred meters, you know, Anthony Williams, he shifts away from all of the, his competitors and except the one teammate, which was Eric Smoot. And this guy, Eric, as a sophomore, wins the Indiana State Championship in a 413. And then he goes and wins it three years in a row. And these are the type of guys that I ran with. And to add a little bit more to the plot, the, the sophomore, Eric Smoot, who wins it three years in a row, was actually homeless during high school. And so he ended up having to stay with, with one of my teammates. And so these are the guys, these are the brothers I had around me. So, I mean, we were, you know, we, we were eating, we were eating two a days, you know, we were, we were, we were, we were grinding. We, we, we knew that it was a bigger purpose for us in life. And, and that's what helped me to garner, you know, a scholarship to Howard University to be able to run for Howard. And, you know, lo and behold, I had no idea what Howard had in store for me on all fronts academics, athletics, cultural, um, you know, just development. And that, that, that high school trial just changed everything for me. So I, I know you got the book right now, Running Against the Odds, but when are we going to get the movie about the all-black cross-country team? Like, <laughs> for real, that's they got I, need but I need to see that movie. And also, I need to hear a little bit more about your, your high school coach. Like, what are some of those seeds that, that he planted in you without giving away too much of the book? Well, you know, he, he, he's from Mississippi. His mother was a sharecropper. Uh, he was, he went to Western Michigan University. He would go to classes during the evening and then he would actually drive two hours to work at the steel mill in Gary. And he did this as a college student. So wow. he, he grew up knowing grit and grind and he lost his mother at a very early age and and i mean you know this i mean you you grew up in and and you know some generations ago and you're seeing your mother work on the fields and you're strapped to her back your your perspective in life changes and so he by far had a chip on his shoulder we called him chief um and his name is roosevelt pulliam and this was a guy who didn't believe in cutting any corners. And I'll never forget when he looked at me in the eyes and he said, and you better not take a handout. And it was, you you had to earn it from him. So needless to say, all guys didn't make it through his program, but the ones that did, I mean, he would, he would go through walls and beyond for you. Um, and so that was, it was some tough love there but I knew that I was being loved and I was willing to do any and everything. And so was my teammates, you know, and, and they all went on to major schools and they're doing big things. Even my buddy, Eric, he, that, you know, he's someone I would love to pitch your way because not only did he win the three state championships in the mile, I mean, he owns his own business and he's doing extremely well right now. And when I say extremely, he's doing extremely well. And um, and so just to see these brothers just getting it, getting it done um, with running and then using running as a platform for some bigger things, as you guys are doing right now with this podcast. I mean, I'm loving every bit of this. I think it's, it's great that you've said that you said that because I think we've had conversations on the podcast before about how like in like cross country there's obviously there's not that many people that are black there's not many people that we see like ourselves but seeing from what aaron and aaron has done and my older brother caleb like there's a lot of opportunities and running that people in the black community are just not aware about and especially just on like the sprint side in general like i feel like there are sprinters that are like deep into like like who's the top pros and the shoes they're wearing and everything but especially on the cross country side for some reason like everyone turns into a geek at some point or a nerd and that brings them deeper into the game and so like that's kind of why we wanted to start the podcast and everything if we could bring 
or to bring more like black people to the sport across country or just empower the kids across the country who are like the only on their team and stuff like that as well. But I also just want to talk about your team as well in high school a little bit, but you can piggyback what I've just said as well. But just like, what were the conversations like when you guys were talking about like how being like going to these meets and going against like the suburban areas, like, man, like we the only team that really looked like this. What were those type of conversations that you guys constantly had? You know, you, of course, you're going to have mixed emotions. I mean, you, you definitely, we definitely felt like we had to represent. We were the first team from Gary to qualify for the state championships. I was a 16 and some change. We, we actually had seven guys running under, under 17 minutes. And so we were, we were, we were competitive. We had two that were dipping under 16 minutes. I bring this one guy out and he's a good buddy of mine. He, he spends all his time on the basketball court. I mean, hours and hours. This guy comes out and he runs 1545 by the end of the season in his senior year, first year running cross country. <laughs> but I mean, we just talk about guys that, that had the heart, the commitment. I mean, and once you start to feel that love, you know, that that last mile is dedicated to your your brothers or your sisters. And, and that's the DNA that I, I, I coach with all of my teams, you know, regardless of their background, that's the DNA. I, 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 you, you have to be willing to give it up for your teammates because no one in, wants to solely pay that price day in and day out. But when you're doing it for someone else and but this transcends into family, this transcends into community, it transcends into career or starting your own business and and you know Josh what, what the other aspect to being a middle and long distance runner as a you know African American and it, it, it's just we know that there's so many benefits in terms of Hell what well. you cannot get being a sprinter and that's no knock to a sprinter there's some hard-working sprinters but it's a totally different mindset when you endure into that 800 or into 50, 60, 70 miles a week, as you said earlier, and, and you feel run down and you, and you got to still find a way to still get it going. So those are the things that really develop us for life. And, and, and so I, I hate when we miss the boat on some of our people not wanting to do distance because it doesn't look sexy enough for them or they didn't have the right coach to introduce it to them the right way. Uh, it goes on and on, but I just feel like they're missing out on some life development when they decide not to do it because it's too hard or too painful. Uh, that, that's, that's a part of life. The, the quicker you learn to endure and to deal with pain and discomfort, then the, the faster you're gonna move on in life and be, you know, closer to your potential of who you are. Were you ever able to get someone that was like a 400 runner and have them transition to like cross country and have them find success? So I see, I've definitely, over my years, I've seen a lot of 400 runners. I'm all like, bro, you're running like, you're running like 55 right now, bro. But like, if you came over here, ran at eight, you would be, you could probably right, you'd be running right. you'd be breaking two right off the bat oh, and like two, two that's zooming. a whole that's a whole different celebration from 55 seconds yeah. so 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 truth be told that the national record that we broke were previous sprinters that i was able to convince and so i i do want to say that i didn't throw them in the fire i mean there's a i i do more studying now on sports psychology than I do in actually the X's and, X's and O's of coaching. Because it's all about making sure you're connecting with your athletes, making sure that you know what's gonna get them excited, what's gonna make them tick. And so I just started with one runner and then it became two. And then, and then they started to see some results and, and competitive people, they, all right, they're not that foolish. You know, here it is, 55, you, I mean, you 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 running almost you know the first heat, um, and, and with the slower runners, and then you break two minutes, and then man, the whole team is going nuts, and everybody likes that feeling, and and so just trying to bake that person or that athlete 
and also letting them know the long-term benefits they're, they're going to have. And, and I, I even say now that being, a, you know, running distance myself from the 800 and up and see at Howard, we didn't have a whole lot of cats running. <laughs> so everybody ran all the way up to cross country and, 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 and I love cross country though. And, but what I'm getting at is that it has really preserved my body. You know, I'm 49 right now, and I still play, I play ball with college, you know, basketball players. I still run about 30, 40 miles a week. And, and I attribute that it's the distance running. If you do it the right way, it is from a physiological standpoint, it is preserving your body more than when you're ripping it up with all the deep anaerobic work on a consistent basis. Now, don't get me wrong. You do got to go through that, but there's, there's some athletes, they live in that zone, sprint, 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 tearing up the intracellular tissues and, and, and not recovering. And, and, and those things have long-term damage. Um, it's just the aerobic work that's going to give you just a better feeling overall in life when that career is over, if you do it the right way. There's a lot of opportunities still to, to run after collegiately. Like you want to run a marathons, you want to run... 5Ks, you have those opportunities there. And then most of these shoe brands, if you want to get a job, a lot of them are distance-based. are distance based. And I mean, I'm someone, like Joshua said, I work for a, a shoe brand now. I work at Hoka, Hoka now. And, and running was like a big vehicle to that. And I think that's a lot of what you're speaking to. Was that something that your coach really instilled? Because you said your team, everyone is doing really big things now. Oh, yeah, it, it was it was all about the life afterwards. He, he would he would make that clear to us that running is a, it's a means to an end. It starts with running, but it ends with success. If you're not building that bridge and using running to network or to open up doors for you. And because, you know, he 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 was tired of just seeing especially a lot of guys. Unfortunately, Gary had all these hoop dreams. I was one of those guys. But. We have these hoop dreams, and then as soon as you know, that 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 dream ends at 16, 17, 18 years old, you you're not really prepared and haven't really thought about how you're going to navigate after that. And and it wasn't until I got to Howard when I um, heard a, a gentleman, Juwanza Kanjufu, uh, who is uh, he's 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 um, an advocate for African Americans in education. He talked about that there's a million black men or more that aspire to be a basketball player a year. Only 400,000 will actually make a high school team. 3,500,000 will make a college team. And then out of that, this stat was like 35 players will, will play for an average of four years. And when you start hearing that stat, and, and then even you're looking at the stats today where a lot of our folks and basketball and football are bankrupt five years after they leave the professional league. I mean, these stats are real. And if we don't have more of us, you know, just hammering that into and ingraining it into our minority athletes' heads, then a lot of them will think that there's this pot of gold at the end of the rainbow with running. And yeah, there's a lot of notoriety, but are you branding yourself the right way to use that notoriety to, to explode into something else, to start your own business, to start your own brand, to start your own podcast, to, to, to become that next executive, you know, CEO. And not, not enough of us are being taught that. And, and that, 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 that's a sore spot with me when, when I see that it's all about winning um, with, with, with us in, in these programs. It, it, it's a great feel. I love to win. I'm super competitive, but, I want to win in life. <laughs> you know, the, 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 the high school experience, that's checkers. I, life is chess, you know, so we need you making moves now so you can position yourself. So um, that, that's what my high school coach was all about. And, 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 you know, matter of fact, you mentioned about the movie, Aaron, and I, I would love for the movie to be about him and, and what he gave us because he would give us anything we ever needed. And it was something special about him. Um, what he was able to develop with us, and and I, I, I that's part of the plan. It, I want to be I wanted to be a pitch 
with my team from high school, and I would love for there to be a pitch with the young ladies who won pin relays because that was in front of um, a, a crowd of 40,000 spectators, and it's a slug fest on the four by eight going back and forth. And I'm, I'm not going to tell the listeners the outcome, but we had the Jamaican flags going, you know, and sway. I mean, the big flags, the whistles blowing. They're Jamaica. And then you got USA on the other side, USA. I mean, the whole place is erupting. And, and imagine the race going back and forth. And, and it, it was just a neat thing to be a part of. And so I would love to see that on the big screen as well. And that, that's part of the plan. And, and so if we got any film people out there that's listening to this, hey, <laughs> let's go. Hey, one of you guys might want to take this on. <laughs> I mean, we got our brother. We got to hit up David, bro. We got to hit up the brother. Our, our brother, he's all into the film. And I'm just trying to get a part. I'm trying to get a part. Like, can I be in the high school? Like, for the next 10 years, I'm going to look this young for at least the next 10 years. You feel you me? I could be the number seven it. guy. You feel you me? I could be. <laughs> <laughs> I already know how to run. Like you, you feel me? Like no one will be. You know, I could be one of the Americans in, in the stands, waving the flags. Like hey, I could know, definitely play a part. You know, you remind me. It's hilarious when they get these cats in these running movies and they can't run at all. So you, you would be, you'd be way ahead of the game. That one. I can do my own stunts. Like, one, <laughs> one thing else I was curious, uh, curious about too, because like I think about my experience, and it's like, yeah, we did club track, and that's where we grew up. And we had like those values instilled of track being a vehicle. Our dad was all about you're running to get a scholarship. Like that that was the whole purpose uh behind behind the running and it's led to me getting this job. But I think I find it very interesting for you. Like you went from because for me in high school, you know, I was the only. In college, I was the only. When I when I tried to when I ran semi professionally sub elite, I was the only. Whereas for you, you know, high school, you and you were introduced into the sport, like everyone you, you was all black and you, you guys were the only team, but you were together. And then yeah, you different. went to Howard uh, HBCU. And I, I'm, I'm just going to guess and say everyone on your team team <laughs> was black, too. And that was an experience. Minus one, minus one. Shout out to that one, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, was, he, was, he was a good guy, man. He was a real <laughs> cool guy. Yeah. William Groin. Yep. Yep. So I'm down with everybody here and Mark. You see that? Yeah. <laughs> and then when you finally move into the to the coaching world and you're on the distance side, it's a little yeah. bit different. But what was that experience like, you know, going from high school to college and then like, coaching? So my, my experience at Howard was just phenomenal. And to be honest with you, Howard made me appreciate more of who I was. I, before I went to Howard, I, I would say that I was I was this ship in the middle of the ocean, still trying to find some direction. I didn't have that rudder. Um, and going to Howard, that that gave me a lot of direction. And so when you when you know who you are and where you're from, then it gives you a better perspective to me on appreciating others, appreciating you know, diversity, appreciating. But, you know, you always got that extra eye to try to make sure you balance and equal the playing field. And I think that's always key, no matter how successful we are, that we are always trying to work to equal the playing field for, for, for others that are less fortunate and didn't have that opportunity. So that's just kind of how I live my life. I, right now, I'm, I'm, I'm coaching at a, in a very diverse program. And, but at the same time, I, I, I run a male mentorship program at another school. And so I'm always finding ways, you know, I, I'm, I'm an Under Armour coaching ambassador as well. And so I wanna use my platform and, and that's part of, I, I, I wanna do a lot of book talks with Running Against the Odds because it talks a lot about overcoming obstacles. And, and, and we, we got a lot of brothers and sisters that because of their zip code and where they were born, that that's determining some of their opportunities, and that's that's not a fair shake. That's not that's not freedom. That's not an American dream at all. And so my my job is to to ignite myself as well as others to to make sure as they are living out their dreams, living out their passion, that they're pulling other people up and pulling other people in. And 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 so we always got to make sure that that we we keep that extra eye on what else can we do to help what else can we do to help and and that's 
if you're not doing that, I mean, to me, you're not really doing your part in life. You know, my, my grandmother, we used to, she would take us places when we were little and we would just tear the place up. And, and she would always say, look, you better leave this place better than you found it. And that was her threat. And to me, that's how we should look at the world. That's how we should look at our community. We should look at our people. When we leave, we leave a legacy so that we are making it better for others and we're making this world better. Um, and, and we got to leave our mark. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more for sure. I'm looking kind of motivated. I kind of want to do another six miles today or something. And uh, you got to rest. You got to rest the body. You got to rest the body. But I kind of want to uh, shift gears a little bit too because running against the odds is also, like you said, overcoming things. And I, I'm pretty sure there has to be something in there about just overcoming the sport and running in general. And sort of like I'm coaching a little bit right now, my brother coaches. And so a question that I have to you, just like a coach to coach in a way, like when you have a kid who's like, someone who, who's the pressure is like getting to them like even before they get, get to the line like they feel overwhelmed of the pressure or like they break down or like they they feel like they can't do it even though they put in all this work how would you talk to someone like that to be able to have them overcome that odd yeah that, that's that's a great question and we we are seeing anxiety at a very high level and then you add COVID to the equation I mean, that, that really just, from a mindset perspective, it's tough on our athletes now. I would say the, the main thing as a coach is that you, you gotta be careful where you're not talking down to an athlete, but you're talking with an athlete. And you, you gotta dig in and start thinking about some of your pitfalls to, to share with them to, hey, this is human, this is normal. Let's not overanalyze this, but you, I mean, you can't really say it like that. But yeah. when you, yeah. when you, that in, in running against the odds, I'm sharing stories that I shared with my team that they would come back and say, man, that story really motivated me. And it wasn't the stories when I was running my personal records. I mean, they're like, okay, yeah, we expect that from you. It was the stories when I'm telling them how I'm in the trenches. And, and yeah, one of my stories I, I tell quite often is, I'll never forget my junior year in high school when I'm thinking I'm going to be in the top 10 at this big invitational. And they, they in Indiana, it's a big deal. You're in the top 10. You're sitting in these big, lavish chairs, and you're sitting in front of everyone, thousands, runners, spectators, parents, the whole night, and they're calling you up, and you stand there, you get that award, you sit in that chair, and I'm thinking, I'm, I'm sitting in that chair. And... The, the, the gun goes off and I'm sitting right there in the top 20 and I'm like, all right, this is perfect. First mile goes by, mile and a half into the race. I'm starting to labor a little bit, breathing started to get a little heavy. I'm like, all right, it's a little premature, but I'm, I'm gonna grind this out. By the time I hit the, the, the two mile mark, I'm in 35th place. <laughs> And it was just all downhill from there. I ended up getting this <laughs> ribbon in the chute, 75th place. And I'll never forget, I'm walking away and I throw the ribbon down and it was, it was raining and there was mud on the ground and falls into this mud. And my coach comes up behind me. He's picked that ribbon up, Desmond. And he, he loud, booming voice and, and, he just let me have, he told me I got what I deserve. Like I said, he was a straight shooter. He, he said, you know, that's poor sportsmanship. He didn't like the attitude. And, and then later on the bus ride home, he ended up pulling me up to the front of the bus and he ended up just saying, look, you're a nice guy, but you gotta make a decision. You gotta make a decision what you want out of life. And, and that kind of resonated with me. And so I ended up going home and I taped the ribbon next to my light switch. And Every day I flick that light switch on and I'm looking at that ribbon and that ribbon made me sick. And I had a decision to make. Do I want to keep getting those ribbons? And it was not, you know, literally, but I mean, I didn't want to keep getting the ribbons, but it was like, all right, you got to wake up. It's, you, you got more in you. You, you sitting up here, you're, you're whining, complaining. You, you, you don't do everything you're supposed to do. And and you think you're doing enough, but enough ain't gonna get it for you. And it was that ribbon that ignited everything for me. That was the, the ribbon is the reason I got the scholarship to Howard, that wake up call. And I think that we have definitely moved into 
more of results-driven, scoreboard-driven uh, uh, performances and, 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 and celebrating those more than we do with making mistakes, taking risks, you know, failing forward. And so we, we now have a, a, a generation that we're developing where they're afraid to, to make mistakes. And, and it's adversity that's gonna, going to make them a better dad, a, a better husband, a better community man. And it's not going to be, I don't even know where some of my trophies and medals are. I know where that ribbon is, but I guarantee you, you start to have those types of uh, conversations, you, you're going to see some growth and development. I was. Say, I like I, the I, fact that you're saying like, oh my bad, but like, they're saying like, don't, uh, don't uh, try. Be conscious of not trying to talk down to the athlete, but talk with the athlete. I just think that's a really good gym that everyone could take. Not even just like talking to an athlete, but talking to. Uh, somebody that you're collaborating with on a project or talking to your son or talking to your baby cousin or something is definitely in general, but there you go. I just want to say that real quick, Aaron. There, go ahead. No, all I was going to say is I, from this whole time we've been on here, like, I just love that everything that you're doing, it's about something bigger than running. Like you, when you, when you listed off all of those things on, you know, what that moment is going to make them better at. You didn't say it was going to make them, you didn't even mention, you know, the word athlete or, you know, professional or Olympian. You're talking about people becoming fathers and you're about becoming like businessmen and, and women. And I think I agree with you. I feel like that developing character within athletes has gone and everyone's about, you know, you know, getting the most likes, being the, being the top person. So, I, I and I also just wanted to you know I wanted to give a shout out to running with the odds you know this man's dropping gems he's giving y'all a little too much but y'all y'all need to go check out check out this book for sure and I wanted to ask you um so like when did when did the idea first come into your mind to write this book why'd you pick that title as the name all, all of that so the, the first time was a bit over a decade ago and I gave one of those speeches and I, I'll never forget how I'm telling this story and I don't remember what story it was, but I had a young lady who stuck around afterwards. I mean, they left inspired, they were motivated. And she says, you need to write a book. And it was just a message that to me, she was saying that more people need to hear this type of storytelling and messaging and you know, and also, as I shared, I, I have dyslexia. So having a speech impediment, I'm thinking, all right, I want to be a public speaker. And having dyslexia, I'm like, you know what, writing a book, that'd be pretty cool to do. So I'm always trying to go against the grain. I'm always that, being a, a, a black distance runner <laughs> and then, uh, you know, a coach of, uh, of a uh, of an all-black team, you know, at one point in time. And, and I mean, just always trying to represent, pave the way. And I want to give our people permission, but I also want to give everyone permission to make this world better. And so when she said that to me, that resonated with me. And and I never, you know, never lost that thought. I, I was super busy. And then I remember telling my wife at one point, uh, maybe about seven years ago, I definitely want to do this. And I, for some reason, I knew it, it was, had to have running in the title and some type of obstacle. And it just, just really just came to me. I, I don't, it, it, it really came to me when I was on a run and I always do my best thinking when I'm running out there, running and, and scenery and on a trail or something. And, and I'm like, that's it. That's it. It, 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 it hit me. And so then when the pandemic hit, I'm thinking, all right, now is the time. You know, I'm also a dad as well. My, my kids are 14 and 16 and they are soccer players and I'm always on them about challenging themselves. And so I'm, I'm also, I, I believe I got to lead by example as well. So that's what I always tell coaches when I speak to them in coaching clinics, you have to lead by example. And you have to also remember you're human, are, your athletes are human. And I'll never forget seeing one of my buddies, he, he's irate at one of his practices. And I'm, I'm thinking like, 
dude, you you sucked when at, at times at, at some of our practice, you were going off like you were, you never skipped a beat at all. And he's like, man, re really? And so sometimes we just gotta, we gotta check ourselves and, and making sure, and I'm not saying being soft, I'm not saying don't have high standards and expectations, but it's how you get there. And you wanna make sure that you're bringing that kid along the way and, and connecting with that kid and, and you're not just making it, you know, success in, in, in track and in any sport should be a byproduct of executing other things first. And we sometimes try to put the, the results before we put the process in. And too many of us, we, 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 we don't even really enjoy the process the way we should. We, 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 the, that journey is everything. I mean, the fact that you guys are gonna be able to talk about being brothers, getting it done in the sport of track and field, like don't, don't take that lightly. And, and I know we wanna run certain times, but the more we enjoy the process and the moment, it makes you want to come back and work harder and to be more dedicated. And, and sometimes we tip the scales when we're just chasing results, chasing results. We, I like how you said that too, of just like enjoying the journey in the process. Cause I, I find that my favorite time in like the running, I really, well, racing is definitely my favorite thing, obviously, but uh, like summer training and like cross country to track, like that winter block too. I love those times where like, I'm kind of just like grinding away, either if it's by myself or with my friends as well, like running together. I don't know, just being able to like to, to do it on my own and like to train hard and like expect like, all right, we're having a journey to what I'm gonna do this year is some of like the best time that I have with running and like the really like enjoying myself and what was kind of just uh pivoting from that also what was the journey like writing this book like what did you learn about about yourself the most from this having like dyslexia and, and writing like a fool that's a low key that's a lot of pages that's yeah. a lot of yeah. writing how was that how was yeah. that it was um 250 pages i'm thinking all right i'm gonna knock this out in six to eight months and and the best way to explain it was it was all almost like training for a 5k and then the next thing you know you're in an ultra marathon <laughs> and so it ended up taking me a year and a half i'm up to like three four five in the morning my daughter loves to write i'm, I'm i say to her hey you're gonna write the children's book to this she's like oh no you way too stressed <laughs> she's like you don't make writing look fun for me so um so it, it was it was arduous but i mean again i think that well i don't think i know that having the mindset of a distance runner, that once I'm on, once I'm on that pony, that, that's it. I mean, it, it's gonna get done. No matter how much I whine or complain, I know that it's going to get done. And you know, it's the same thing you do with your training. You, I know you, Josh. You were up to 70 miles a week. You probably only wanted to do maybe 25 to 30, but. The other, uh, the other 40, 45 was dedicated to results, you know, and, and that's what we got to always make sure that I, I constantly remind myself, what did I do today to get one step closer to my goal? And, and so it was like watching grass grow and I could lose some days because I changed the, the, the plot. I changed the scene and the story. And, and so I didn't stayed up to five o'clock couple of night, a couple of mornings and then I don't even use that material. I mean, it, it was, it was painful, <laughs> but I, I'm really happy that I did it. And now that I've done it, um, I do feel way more confident where I want to, I want to spit out, you know, another two books. Um, one is that, that guide um, that I just mentioned. And then I would like to do a sequel because uh, it, it, it ends, it ends in 2008 with, the memoir and I would like to pick up from 2009 and and hopefully I'll be talking about some other great stories along the way. Yeah, and yeah, I, I like what you I, said about uh, being a distance runner because I think back to in COVID, me and Joshua, when we started the podcast, he was like, let's do 52. And I was like, bro, He's like, I, you know, that's one every week for the whole year. <laughs> yes. 52? I was like, bro. Are you sure? He's like, yeah, let's go for it. And same thing, like finding guests and, and topics every week. It really got us through COVID and hindsight, but it was same that distance runner mentality. Like you got to hit your mileage. Like you just got to do it and you just 
stay dedicated and you know we're we're already we're reaping some of those the the rewards you know the yeah. seeds that were that were sown during that season for sure i, I love it i love it that's why i feel like some folks are cheated when they can be a middle long distance runner and they choose not to it's just so many benefits to it but i mean we all know that it's that mindset you you got you you develop that grit that stick to itiveness i mean all of that is just it becomes your dna so it, you feel like it's it, you know you might be a little intimidated but you're not afraid to step out there because i mean we we all are overcoming obstacles and odds along the way and and, and that's the other part about running against the odds that I want to remind folks that you're not alone. We all are intimidated. We all go through pitfalls. We, we, we all want to be safe. We all want to, you know, you know, have money in our pocket. We all want to just be super successful, but we, in everything that we do, but we know you're, you're going to trip up, you're going to fall. And, and, and the memoir is a reminder where I'm very vulnerable in it and also to answer your question, Josh, it, it kicked up a lot of dust because it was some hard conversations, you know, with my siblings and some of my uh, my, my dad's siblings, um, where they weren't aware of some of the things that were going on, and and, uh, and even having conversation with my mother because she had to deal with it at, with my dad, you know, since that was her husband, and and so it kicked up a lot of dust for me, but it was also therapeutic and. And I always will say that if you are dealing with anything in life, meet, meet it head on, get the right resources, get the right people around you, get the mental health therapy. You, you got, you're sweeping it under the rug. It, it doesn't do anything for you and it chips away at you, but it also can ruin, you know, future relationships with some, some folks that you, or that significant other that you should have something special with. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that. Thank you for thank you for all the gems you dropped on us, uh, Coach Des. And I'm definitely. I think we're gonna take this to heart, even for us. And I think our listeners are gonna take this to heart too. And especially y'all, y'all gotta go read "Run Against the Odds," man. Y'all gotta go read it and go check it out. And before we close out, we have a few just like quick questions, just um, that we also want to touch on. And like, uh, I think Aaron put this one on here too. Is like, could you speak to uh, the kids elite? sports mission that you have going on what is that what is that all about and what you do with the kids elite sports mission yeah so so kids elite goes hand in hand with what i was mentioning earlier just getting back to enjoying playing good wholesome sports and learning how to do it from a fundamental level and so in the area that i i'm in in dc is highly specialization and you see these kids they're specializing at a very early age and and when you have the diversity, those are transferable skills. And, and it's, you, you don't run into burnout, you don't run into overuse, you don't, you know, and there's your two percenters that somehow they can manage through it and they can stay in that one sport. But, but there is a good population that they can easily hit burnout. They can, I mean, you guys did age group track. You, I'm sure you've seen some national champions at seven, eight years old and then all of a sudden you're like, hold on, that cat not even running right now. Like what's, what's going on? Uh, and so that, that's, that's what Kids Elite is all about, where our, 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 our campers are taking about, so it's a sports camp and they're taking about 14, 15,000 steps in a five hour period. And they're playing sport after sport after sport. And so it's easy for one of them to join a track team when they're 12 or 13, um, because of the fitness levels. And so we're, we're, we're teaching proper running mechanics to ultimate Frisbee, to badminton. I mean, so you name it, we game it. And it's a ton of fun. And all of my counselors are trained at a really high level. And we, we, we own the fact that after each and every session, you're learning some character building. We're applying that session to a life skill or life lesson. And even kids elite, elite is an acronym. It means effort, leadership, uh, integrity, uh, teamwork, and excellence. And so we're always honing in and on those areas. And so we, we have four sites now. We started with 10 kids. Now we have about 1,000 kids throughout the DMV. We just set it up where we're going to start franchising. 
Kids Elite. So we we hey, we would love to bring one in your neighborhood. So um, it's it's going really well, and and our, our our campers are just absolutely loving the fact that they can do so many multiple sports and and have great counselors that can teach them how to appreciate the games that, that they're playing. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think, there's, I think there's such a need and so much opportunity uh, with that, especially what you're saying with all the connections you have and like being in the DMV um, with the HBCUs that are kind of like in that area too. So I'm, a, I'm excited to see where that goes. I, and I might have some ideas for you offline that we could. All talk right. About okay. Later. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. Thank you. Wait, Aaron, yeah, low-key, the DMV sounds kind of yeah. lit. I'm not even going to lie to you. You get to live Let's out go. there. You low-key, you get to you get to be a Baltimore Ravens fan, too, bro. The Wizards aren't that good, but, you know, like, you know, you get to be Lamar Jackson. And you got the basketballs out there it's tight. Like, I don't know. DMV's kind of cool. DMV's kind of cool. It's, it's really cool. It's. I thought I was going to leave from here and go back to, well, Chicago, but it's so many opportunities, so many cool people in the DMV. Um, you, you guys will absolutely enjoy it. If you come to D.C., I will make sure you have a great time. So you're invited out. Come on out. Uh, you'll have a great time uh, meeting some folks and hanging out. Hey, Joshua, bro, you better apply to Howard, bro. <laughs> hey, that would be awesome. That would be lit. That would be lit. Also, we asked uh, this question to anytime we have somebody on the podcast, definitely a new guest, because sometimes we don't know who to get. And like, we love having people and interviewing them on. Like, and you already made some recommendations, but uh, who do you think would be a great guest to have on the Two Black Runners podcast? Who do you think would be great to have on that fits yeah. the mold, tell a great story and everything? Yeah, I think uh, Matt Green, who runs the District Running Collective, where, you know, he's not out here to... Uh, trying to coach the next Olympian, he's just getting folks going. And, and a good amount of his population, if he didn't have this club, the, some of these people wouldn't be running. And it would be a lot of us. And so he's getting a lot of us to really appreciate, you know, doing that aerobic work. And, and they have different uh, classes in terms of uh, paces when you come out. And I mean, everyone is welcome. Everyone feels appreciated. So Matt Green would be great. Um, I have the, my buddy who was the three-time uh, Indiana State champion who owns his own business now, Redefined Fitness in Evanston, Illinois, Eric Smoot. And probably the third person is uh, a young lady who is in my area and we have coached together. And she's uh, one of the top coaches in the DMV and that's Tia Clemens. She's at Woodrow Wilson High School. So. Those are the three that I would recommend. And then I got some, some partners who are also coaching on a collegiate level. Uh, Damon Griffith, uh, who was at University of Miami. Now he's at uh, U, uh, he's at U, University of South Florida and some other collegiate, you know, black uh, middle and long distance coaches. Um, I have resources I would love to pitch your way. And, and um, so those are just a few to throw out there off the, off the, top of my head hey i mean all those sound good i really want this movie to happen about the high school though i really want this movie to happen about the high school that that sounds like a great story and then last question we always try to ask this question we have the podcast then we'll get you out of here just like what mark do you want to leave on the running world when it's all said and done what do you want people to remember what you did in running in particular uh, yeah, I, I, I think about that often, and, and I'll never forget being at a Hall of Fame dinner when um, it, the, the, the person received it posthumously, and, and the, the, the son accepted his award, and, and, and I'll never forget this, where he ended up thanking his mother for everything that she sacrificed for her, uh, for her husband to coach, and, and you can just see that he didn't have the respect for his dad the way that, so I say all of that to say that I want to make sure that I play it safe where, I mean, I'm super competitive, so I can sometimes go down this rabbit hole and, and just not be present. And, and so, and I'm, so I wanted to preface that. I mean, I, I would like to be one of the goats, you know, um, where I mean, I coach national championships from 200 meters all the way up to, 
um, to, to, to 5,000 meters. And, and even with the Roosevelt girls, we won the four by two and the DMR, and we made Nike uh, cross country nationals. And, and so, you know, I, I like the range that I have and, and it's all science, you know, um, and, but I think that I just want to carry my platform and influence over to some other projects that I have. And, and one is the book and doing book talks. And the other one is, it's, it's, it's going to be a big one, but um, I would like to do a cradle to college program, literacy program. And so um, anyone who knows that if we put more into early childhood education, we wouldn't have to invest as much in the prison system. And, and the prison system is this multi-billion dollar industry. And we, we can avoid that by teaching kids from low socioeconomic backgrounds at two years old. If we get them the reading programs, um, they wouldn't start school behind their counterparts. And, and you know, it's the, a glowing stat is by the age of three, if you come from an affluent home, you're going to hear 30,000 more words than someone who comes from, um, you know, a low socioeconomic home. And so with, with that disparity already, I mean, you, you're starting a race. You, you, you haven't even put your, your, your spikes on and they didn't shot the gun. And, and so, I mean, we, we're trying to catch up. I mean, after 300 plus years of slavery, um, it, it's, it's a perpetual cycle. And we even have to remember that sometimes. And when we put in tough situations and sometimes we got to remember that when um, you know we're feeling blessed and, and, and understand that there's a system out here that's perpetuating and it starts with education. If everyone had that early childhood education, they're going to feel, they're going to love school more. They're going to feel more hope. They're going to appreciate themselves more because the worst thing in the world is to be 16, 17 years old and you're not loving school and you're not prepared for the real world. I mean, you, 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 life becomes tough and you're going to make it tough on someone else as a result of that. Man, thank you. Thank you for all that. Thank you, Coach Des, for coming on. We appreciate you telling your story. And we're so glad that we're able to broadcast this out with the people as well for they can hear more about what's going on. I appreciate you saying that you want to be the GOAT. A lot of people don't say that. You feel me? And like, but like that's a that's a real goal that people have. And I think that's something that that's a, something that you can strive for and that you can go whatever and you doesn't being the goat doesn't mean that you have six rings and undefeated right, right. No being doubt. the goat can be so much more than that so i appreciate you coming on the podcast and everything we're about to close out but aaron you got anything else you want to say to the people real quick yeah i mean i don't want to make this podcast too long but dang this was a great this, this was definitely a great one this was definitely i enjoyed it one. hey let, hey we can do you can let a few more folks on and then we come back and do a part two at some point <laughs> <laughs> For real though. but everything everything you're doing is stuff that i feel like me and joshua aspire to do and you know to have you on here and just talk about all the things that you have done with running and like just to go back with joshua saying talking about being the goat like when I, I was having like this, this talk with my friends about like, about like music, you know, streams, like the streams determine who's the best. And, and I always feel like it's influence. Like how, how are you influencing? And like how you said, you determine how good you coach based off how these people are doing in life, you know, 10 years from now, yeah, you know, yeah, how many people did MJ inspire? How many, how many musical artists were inspired by, right, by Michael right. Jackson? So like, yeah, just a ton of, and that's what I feel for the running report and two black runners. Like I want, like if we never have the numbers that we feel like that we that we want and never get that big, as long as I know we're having that impact and we're influencing whatever is hey, next. Hey, as long as you're influencing one person, I mean, I'll be honest, with, with you guys' energy, you motivated me. So, I mean, you already influencing folks out here. I mean, I definitely felt a connection here. I mean, y'all brothers are doing it. Y'all are ahead of where I was when I was your age. So, you know, if you like some of the stuff that I'm saying, I'm, I guarantee you're going to be saying a whole lot more than me because y'all way ahead of the game. You know, keep keep this platform up because we need it. And I guarantee that if this is not the ticket, it's going to spin off into something else. You just got to keep plugging away. You keep plugging away, you know, hey, you're going to see that light at the end of the tunnel. So. And just have fun with it, man. This is real cool right here. Real cool.
Appreciate you. And to everyone, Aaron, we about to do another 52 straight, bro. We're going to do another 52 straight. Yo. <laughs> oh, oh. oh you're going to give me gray hairs, bro. <laughs> but um, this is a great podcast to everyone listening. As always, if you listen this far into the podcast, you truly are a day one homie. And we appreciate y'all and everything all the support and love y'all give, you know, that powers us to keep keep going and, you know, and to, you know, to get amazing. Y'all are the reasons why we get opportunities to get such amazing guests like this. And we know y'all love it. And that's why we love y'all. But other than that, Joshua, I got nothing else to say. Close us out. Yeah, go by running against the odds. That's all I really got, bro. Y'all, they listen to the podcast. They listen this far. They already bought the book. Come on, man. Coach Des, <laughs> thanks for coming on. We really do appreciate y'all. See y'all hey, next hey, Tuesday. Hey, all right, fellas.